calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Welcome to this edition of Take 15. I'm Len Costa with CFA Institute in New York. Today I'm joined by Howard Marks, CFA. Howard is the co-founder and chairman of Oak Tree Capital Management based in Los Angeles, a firm that oversees nearly $80 billion in assets across a variety of strategies, including distressed debt, private equity, and high yield. Howard, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Well, today we're going to talk about your philosophy, some of the strategies that you employ to make your firm a success. But before we turn to that topic, I'd like to ask you a question about your investor letters, which I think it's fair to say are required reading in the industry. Investment communications don't necessarily come naturally to investment practitioners. Take us inside your, your process. How do you put your letters together? Um, and, and more importantly, why do you think they're so successful? There are a, lot of, there are a variety of reasons uh, why I write them <coughs> uh, and how I get started. Usually, it's because uh, some topic is uh, uh, front and center in the investment community. Um, and uh, uh, perhaps I start to see some common thread. Uh, perhaps I feel that risk aversion is too high or too low uh, and start to see uh, articles that, that suggest those, these things to me and uh, perhaps that I can string them together into a narrative. Uh, to me, the most important thing I do is what I call inference which is to say you read the media and rather than comprehend what it says, you comprehend what it means and get behind it. And, and uh, uh, as I say, when there's a series of events trying to figure out their greater meaning. And uh, I think what's made them a success is what people write me is that I make things simple and clear. And uh, I've never tried to uh, make things uh, you know, complicated or try to make my seem, myself uh, seem smart by being able to write about uh, hard things, but rather making them easy. Um, you know, Mark Twain said that a prof the definition of a profession is a conspiracy against the laity, and uh, I'm trying to unconspire it uh, by making it transparent. Well, great. Well, let, let's turn to the issue of organizational culture. During the recent financial crisis, a lot of firms were seeing outflows. Your firm was actually raising capital. Um, what kind of organizational culture do you seek to inspire to make the firm a success across different market environments? Activities are built on a very strong value orientation. Uh, know the value of what you're buying uh, and buy them when you can buy them for less. Uh, we don't practice momentum, which is to say it's been going up and we think it will continue to go up. We try to figure out why it's been going up and that should be value and that should tell us whether it will continue. So I think that value is the greatest foundation for investing. It doesn't work all the time. Nothing works all the time. That's what makes our business interesting. 
but in the long run, I think it's the most dependable. And um, sometimes price exceeds value, and sometimes value exceeds price. And we should behave differently. I think that was really the key to being ready for uh, the crisis and then executing during the crisis. Um, and uh, maybe another way to say that is we try very hard to be counter-cyclical. And uh, everything in the world conspires to make people behave pro-cyclically. Uh, as the market goes higher and higher and higher, uh, enthusiasm rises, uh, hesitance disappears, risk aversion shrinks, um, competitive juices get going, everybody's making money. Um, it's because everybody's making money, it's easy to raise money. Uh, people are eager to capitalize your activities. Um, and in this kind of climate, uh, caution is penalized, not rewarded. So for all these reasons, it's very e easy to be pro-cyclical. And of course, it's the coming together of everyone to behave pro-cyclically that causes bubbles. So risk control is more important than making money? Well, we think so in, in the long run. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, there are times when, risk, when making money should not be an important goal. When uh, I just had a, a, a meeting this morning with a uh, banker, who, and they talk now about being perhaps back in what they call the silly season, which is when you, when an issuer can accomplish whatever he wants in the market because the buyers will take anything. Well, if that's an accurate description, then that's not a very good time to try to make money. That's the time to try to safeguard the money you have. And I think that, um, <clears throat> I think that making money in the sense of performing with the market uh, is, not, uh, is, is not hard. And in particular, it's not hard to make money when the market goes up. Uh, it, it, it might be challenging to outperform the market when the market goes up, but all right, so you put on a little more risk or take, use a little leverage. The key is to make money without taking a lot of risk. To me, that is the mark of a professional. Uh, and you cannot have a professional discussion about investing if you're not talking about risk. Howard, firms these days, as you well know, are increasingly global, yours included. You've described your, your investment philosophy, um, the culture. How do you work to make sure um, all of your people are aligned behind this, this central mission when you're working globally? First of all, we have such a high emphasis on the culture that there is no doubt, there are no gray areas. Uh, uh, at the extreme, you might say, okay, they, they've drunk the Kool-Aid, and, and, and maybe, maybe we have, but we think it's the right Kool-Aid. Uh, so I think that there's a very, very strong common thread uh, throughout our organization, and it's worked well for a long time, so I don't think there's a lot of difference of opinion about uh, whether it's the right one. Um, and uh, then communication is extremely important. One of the reasons I write the memos is for internal consumption, uh, so that people have a constant reminder of what we stand for. Um, uh, I believe in putting things in writing, so you know, the day we started, we codified the, the investment philosophy and the business principles, and they're all there for everyone to, to see. Um, and then uh, I, when Europe started to become big for us about five years ago, uh, I started to spend uh, a third of the year there. 
So I, I live in London four months a year and uh, you know, spend a lot of time with the, my colleagues, with the clients, and uh, uh, I think that com firsthand communicating of the, of the philosophy is very important. Let's talk about uh, compensation. <clears throat> for, uh, for firms that take the long view like yours, mm -hmm. um, what, what is the right compensation model? Well, a couple of things. Uh, we, uh, Oak Tree has uh, uh, low salaries. Don't tell any of the employees that. I hope they don't, haven't caught on yet. Uh, but, you know, full bonuses. Uh, and the bonuses are, uh, you know, make up uh, most of the package each year. Uh, so that's number one. And the bonuses in theory are flexible, but we, nobody at Oak Tree who's been doing a good job has ever had a decrease in his bonus. And we're very proud of that. In the, in the crisis year, like 08, uh, nobody had a decrease in their bonus. And, uh, you know, a lot of firms forget decrease in the bonus. A lot of firms didn't have a bonus. And our people had flat-to-up bonuses in the worst of years. So we're very proud of that. Uh, importantly, we're not big on uh, quantitative compensation, formula compensation. So uh, our salesmen have never been on a commission system, which I think is a big plus because it tends to get them to do uh, the right things for the long run and for the client uh, and to work together. And our uh, analysts and traders and portfolio managers are not on a quantitative compensation system. Uh, our bonuses are judgmental based on uh, a sense for how you did, a sense for how your product did, how the firm did, what your potential is. Uh, but we don't have individual P&Ls, which I'm very proud of. Uh, and I think that you know, this concept of you eat what you kill uh, on an individual basis uh, f uh, puts people apart rather than together and makes them focus on the short run rather than the long run. Uh, and, the, and, and probably encourages risk-taking because, of course, if, if, you, if your accomplishments are reckoned based on how much your return was, that doesn't say anything about risk. And I just said a minute ago that you can't have a professional conversation about investing without talking about risk. Why would you compensate people just on their returns? Sure. Uh, so so uh, flexible, judgmental, non-quantitative, team-oriented, uh, um, and uh, 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 taking, taking risk uh, into con consideration judgmentally. Uh, we're not big on quantifying risk. Equity in the firm has always been a very big component. You know, in, in many of our areas, uh, we get incentive fees. The clients expect the incentive fees to go to the people who work on the fund to incentivize them. We, that's where we direct most of them. And that, that is as it should be. Uh, but in our business, it's common for people to be share in the profits from their product. What's uncommon is for them to share in the profits from the other products, the ones they don't work on. Yeah. And by granting equity uh, and, uh, you know, through the first 12 years, we gave away a third of the firm to... Uh, 85 of the employees who were by that, at that time, maybe a, you know, a quarter or, or so of the employees, we think we get everybody to pull together. We, each person is incentivized to make the other person a success. And uh, it's incentives that make things happen. 
And we want everybody pulling for everybody rather than saying, I'm too busy to help you. I'm on my own stuff. Great. Well, I think you've covered my question, which was going to be on the, the, the relationship between fees and compensation. So, so let me move on and ask you about something that you also allude to, alluded to, which is uh, public ownership of asset management firms versus private ownership. Where do you come down on this? What's the right model? Well, there's no right model. Uh, uh, every firm is different. And, and in, with most problems, there are more than one way to solve them. Uh, but I think that, he, look, some of my uh, friends have taken their firms public and they've gotten permanent capital, they've gotten a, a currency with which to attract and retain people and, and, and make acquisitions, and they've gotten a way to affect generational transition uh, uh, with liquidity at, at, at a fairly full price. And those are all legitimate goals. The challenge is that uh, in our business, I believe that the money manager has to answer three questions every day. My interests or my client's interests first. My profits or my client's return, short run or long run. And there are legitimate conflicts of interest. I don't mean legitimate, meaning that they should exist. There are real conflicts of interest in answering some of these questions. And the money manager has to put the client and the return first and care about the client in the short run and himself only in the long run, in my opinion. And by maximize the client's interest in the short run, I think that's how the manager maximizes his value in the long run. Uh, but. <clears throat> The concern is that public ownership uh, puts pressures on to make the wrong decisions on those three questions. So the key is that any manager who will be public has to make a very special effort uh, to resist those pressures and not change his spots to make the uh, to please public shareholders. Uh, if that can be done. If, if the manager can do it and will do it diligently, then I don't think uh, public uh, ownership is a negative. But I think <clears throat> the, the onus is on the manager uh, to resist those pressures and to prove that he can. Howard, thank you for sharing your views with us today. And thank you for watching this episode of Take 15. Copyright 2011, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.